This broadcast is brought to you by Elohim Ministries Media. Elohim Ministries is a platform of the voice of God engaging in untraditional content. It is believed God is a healer, deliverer, and restorer of his people if received by faith that he is who he said he is and will do what he said he will do. Listen as Minister Shelley Jeffries shares the word of God, destroying yokes, breaking every chain of the enemy from your life and being. God bless you as you listen. All right. I'd like to thank Elohim Ministry for having me, Sisters Shelley Jeffries for having me as well. And we're going to continue with the present of sin. Sin will always be with the Christian, long as we are in the life on earth. So long as we exist on earth, sin will be here with us. Galatians chapter 5, 16. This I say, then walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we got to stay in the spirit. We got to stay in the covenant with God to stay away from sin. However, we do not live defeated. We don't live defeated in the presence of sin because Christ gave his life for that. So we got to just not activate sin. The existence of a personal thing in certain places opposed it or absent. Okay, the word oppose is eager to prevent or put to an end. So when we go against sin, we're willing to put it to an end. And absent to disapprove the state of being away from a place or a person. So if we absent for sin as well, that means we disapprove or we being away from a it or a person. The presence of God is not limited to any place. God is everywhere. So is sin. Sin is just like air. It's just like water. It's just like the trees. It's just like animal. Everything that God created is everywhere. Sin is everywhere as well. One day Jesus Christ will remove the presence of sin from the believers forever. When Jesus come back, he'll come back to de defeat the second phase of sin. He paid the debt, but sin got to be completely abolished. We live in the presence of sin, which means all of us, Christians included, included have potentials to sin. So, the word potential, having a sure capacity to become or develop. So we have the potential to activate sin because the sin is still in us. It's not going anywhere, but we have to activate it in order for us to commit the sin against God at that point. However, for believers, the power of sin has been broken. Sin has been broken when, when Christ, when God gave his son to pay the debt. 
So it was broken then. And sin, therefore, powerless over us. So it has been broken. And in order for sin to have any authority over us, we have to activate it with the thought. And the thoughts have to become action. So we have to act it out or play it out. God cannot be in the presence of sin. So there's no way Jesus could be there where that awful stuff is happening. So when we operate in sin, God just kind of just let us do our own thing, kind of just step back until we come back and ask for forgiveness and repent. And then that's when God will enter back in at that point. You know, so um, if we're going to operate in the spirit of lust, the spirit of life, anything that's not clean, anything that's unclean, God is going to kind of just kind of just lay back from it. I think this belief comes from some teaching about the death of Jesus on the cross. When Jesus was dying, the scripture tells us he cried out, Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, my God, my God, have you forsaken me? Jesus had to come back into the human form, and when he got crucified, He had carried the whole world sin, and by him being not clean, God had to step back from him. Why did the Father forsake him? Because at the point Jesus had been had taken upon himself all the sin of the world, God could not look on sin. So Jesus was unclean at that point. So like I said, God had to kind of yield back from him. So Jesus can, present of sin, he is pure. But this purity does not mean, does mean he cannot touch evil or be not in it. So at that point, like I said, God had to step back for Jesus when he was in the human form and no, Jesus paid for everybody seeing Jesus asked for Jesus repenting the acts of forgiveness forgiveness and everything and uh that kind of cleaned the the slate for us then and like I say sin doesn't go anywhere it had to be activated or entertained and in order for us to activate and entertain we got to give it to we got to we got to interact with it some fashion or some form whether it's a throw or whether it's uh, some people we go around, or whether it's uh, TV music, uh, things of the world, people, places, or things. Uh, so at some point, it got to be activated. And when it activate, it get activated and stuff. Uh, this is how a bunch of us end up walking into the commitment of sin at that point. And when we walk into the commitment of sin, you know, uh, it's against God. and Unfortunately, when we do those things, uh, the foundation will start collapsing at some point. You know, it looks like uh, everything around you becomes to be more and more uh, difficult or challenging. And um, when you uh, repent and ask for forgiveness and go back to the other side, it seems like life gets easier. 
and um, you got to be delivered. You got to re be delivered and keep being delivered because sin is just like something good in life or something bad in life. It's going to always exist. And that's just how it, uh, how it works. But you got to identify the sin when it comes back your way. And if you're still weak or struggling in those areas, you give it back to God, you know, instead of interacting with it. Because if you interact with it and you don't go back and repent, you're going to just be uh, constantly uh, wrestling with it, constantly committing uh, sin at that point. You got any questions, sis? I do. Uh, before I ask this question, I want to uh, mention that one would have to be aware of their sin in order to ask for forgiveness. Uh, if you're not aware of what you're doing is wrong, then you're not going to ask for help. It's not until you have some form of conviction about what you're doing is wrong. And you experience certain ramifications of your choices. That's when you'll start seeking for help. Um, but I would like for you to uh, go give a little bit more detail on activating a sin and if you could use an example to give us a picture of what it means to activate a sin or okay. activate it okay well just like you was saying uh some people need help with identifying when they're doing wrong and sin and um the biggest thing is you got to get to a place where you're honest with yourself and honest with God because he knows what we're going to do before we do it. So if you're struggling with um, any issues outside the will of God, you need to just get them kind of back to him. I'm going to use this example for us activating sin. Say uh, you have someone that was addicted to drugs or struggling with uh, drugs. And they pray and ask God to take the taste out of their mouth. And God delivered them by removing the taste out of their mouth, removing the crowd of people that they used to go around. And they um, start fellowship, shipping with other believers and, you know, just kind of just change the direction of their life. And they ran into a, a friend they hadn't seen, somebody that's been in the street with they hadn't seen in a couple of years. And say, hey, man, what's up? Let me get your number. And at that point, when they change numbers, and if they realize this person isn't doing that but the same thing, you're allowing, and you know, what you're willing to allow is what you're saying you're willing to accept. So you, you're opening the door up right there for an invited, uh, the influence back in. Mm. And, and all it would take at that particular time, a free phone call, hey man, we're up here doing such and such. So, you know, when you learn how to be intimate in the spirit and walking with God, it seems like you're alone or it seems like it's a lonely walk, but you're never alone. And uh, sin, which is controlled by Satan 
he will get you in a place and make you think that you're missing something. And when you get into that place and feel like you're missing something, you're going to start interacting with sin at that point. Mm. And uh, people will interact uh, with old friends, people placing things. They will go interacting with uh, the old crowd. And they will go back and put God back on the back burner. And before you know it, the pattern repeats itself. Mm. Despairing out of control, the drugs back in their mouth, to just it, it just repeats itself. Simply because the fact, you know, when you seen that old friend, you should have been telling them about what God and Jesus has been doing for you. Say, hey man, I ain't even on that no more, brother. I'm I'm, I'm right here now. You mm-hmm. need to come on this side. Mm-hmm. And you know, he allow he allows Satan to to move. And he don't allow, allow God to move. And that's what a bunch of us do. You know, we get into a place and we feel like we're we're missing something or feel like it's boring or lonely uh, being on the other side. And just by doing those things, you got to know how to, it's like good and evil. You got to know how to separate the two or right and wrong. You, right. you know, you can't be, you can't be both of them. You got to either be one way in or one way out or either all in or no way in. And unfortunately, uh, some people, um, they let sin, they let people cry out, places of things have an influence on their direction in life. And that's how they end up, that's how they end up constantly committing crime against God or constantly uh, in uh, wrestling with sin because they don't know how to disconnect from uh, the things that don't, that's not going to uplift them um, um give them a great quality of life and um by just a simple phone call you feel like you're missing something so at this point you don't entertain the sin mm-hmm. okay you're going into the the dope house at this point you still entertain this sin oh man next time you know you got drugs in your mouth you're smoking at that point you don't activated the sin mm-hmm. so that is uh some people get themselves, you know, caught up in stuff. You have to, you have to just understand when, when God is carrying you a different way or a different direction. Some of it you may not understand right off, but you know it all makes sense in the end, in the end and stuff. You know, but you have to just, um, you have to be patient. You have to learn how to be obedient. You have to learn how to not only hear, but you need to listen. Most people hear but they don't listen. And you need to learn how to yield to the to the Holy Spirit at that point. And every time um, the lustful spirit of sin, anything come back around you that's not of God, you need to go back and give it to God so he could keep delivering you or keep protecting you because when you come outside the will of God, you don't have the armor on anymore. You're not protected. You know, so you don't open the the doorways or the gateways for Satan to basically have his way. But the kicker is Satan got to go get permission for he could do anything. Amen. Okay. And everything's controlled by a thought. This is how God talks to us in our thoughts, in our spirit. Satan does the same thing. But if you don't, if you don't interact with evil thoughts or you don't entertain sinful thoughts, there's no way for Satan to come in. He could send cars, he could send money, he could send drugs, people placing the thing. That's that's all he could see in. He could he could give you the same thing 
that God could give you, but the difference is his things is temporary. That's it. That's the difference because it's on it's not on a, a solid foundation. Amen, brother. Thank you for sharing that. While you were speaking, a word came to my mind, and it's the word influence. Influence. Okay. We we, we are sheep. And we we are described as sheep. And sheep needs to be led. But when it comes to influence, influence will typically guide our decision-making process. At which point, influence can cause us to compromise the very thing that God is trying to direct us out of. And oftentimes, influence comes in the face of people that are familiar and we are also we also know about familiar spirits and so influence will typically try to guide you in an area that you already have knowledge of or you have inf relations with so the influence that God wants us to um, receive is the influence that will take us in the direction of righteousness. We have to learn how to make decisions and choices that are in line with the will of God for our life. Influence is, has a definition the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. So the influence is meant to take you away from the godly character that God is trying to build in you. Do you get it? Do you understand what I'm saying? And or the behavior that God is trying to see is the mind has to be renewed. When you're coming out of sin, you can't keep the same mindset. Your mind has to be renewed. And if your mind is being renewed, you cannot do what you used to do, which means your behavior must change your behavior must become consistent with what God is doing in your life but you have an influencer who is going to keep you from moving in the direction of God to keep you in sin but when you are a babe in Christ you're not going to get it that's why you need to be taught that's why the word need to be preached the gospel of Jesus Christ need to be preached so you can understand the preacher is preaching everything except the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to waste valuable time. But the, the word for today that I want you to take away is influence. God has an influence 
Just like Satan has an influence. But Satan's influence is to distract you from the influence that God is trying to do in your life. Amen. That's it. Go ahead, brother. Well, you know, in order to graduate from sin, you got to allow God to reroute you. God. He got to reroute your mind. He got to reroute your spirit. He got to reroute your habits. Habits. And that's when he say, you know, old things become new things. You know, so he got to get rid of all the bad behaviors in order to put you in the likeness of Christ. Amen. And, you know, that's when you will experience the, the newness. You know, you cannot experience the next phase or the next chapter if you're going to be in one day, out the next day. So he allow us to move freely. So basically the the trust is yours and in the trust of sin it's penalties to pay. You know, so you got to just decide um you gotta decide that for yourself. You know, he's he's not going to force the relationship. He's not going to force up to even ask for forgiveness and stuff. But it looked like everything around your life would just start falling apart. Your finances, your health, you know, jobs, you know, everything. It looked like you'll just be, it looked look like everything's a struggle, you know, because on the sinful side, everything is just temporary. But you, you know, know so, you, and I hate to cut you off. But um, you know what? The problem, the problem, the, I see two problems. One, you have leaders who are committing sin, and you have the people that's watching them do it, and so they're justified. They're justifying their, their acts. Well, and, go ahead. And the people, they, they, they think it's okay. But they're not really understanding that all sin, no matter how small it is, it must be repented. You must repent. There's no, there, there's no, no if ands or buts about it. There's no negotiation. There's no uh, maybe I will, maybe I won't, or maybe I'm gonna try to do what's right. To no, you got to repent. You must repent. Absolutely. Sin separates you from God. And the longer you go without repenting, the harder it becomes. Absolutely. Let me put it to you this way, sister. You were saying about leaders. It's like this right here. When you call into the role of leadership or ministry, at that point, you're married to God. At that point, your congregation is married to God. So if you commit sinful act, it's going to be a domino effect. What you it's say? Gonna, it's going to fall off into your congregation. What you, you say? Know? So that's basically how that works. It's, it works because it's a covenant relationship. So in the covenant, up under the covenant, you got your commandments. And, you know, your Ten Commandments. And, you know, those laws 
uh, acts of crime against God. So that's why you don't see people growing up under some of this leadership out here because they're they're being misled. So when you when you're being misled, that means you're being misinformed. You know, so that's what's going on there. Amen. 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 You when when the head when the head sin, the whole body sin. The whole body. If the body didn't want to, the body doesn't have a choice. When the head sin, the whole body sins. Then the whole body becomes sick. The whole body becomes contaminated. But we're so selfish that we can't even see beyond our nose on our face. All we can see is sin will blind you. Sin will lie to you. Sin will tell you this is not affecting nobody else. But I dare to differ. Sin will affect everything connected because it's a body. It's a spiritual body. And you cannot separate the members from the spiritual body unless you sever it. So there's going to be death either way. But we have to go be, we got to go to God when and 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 God gives eyes to see. Um, I guarantee you, He has opened many eyes because you can see the condition. You can see the condition of your body. All you gotta do is look at it. It don't look wow. like it used to. It doesn't look like it used to look. It's different, and it should cause you to question. This don't have nothing to do with. This person not coming back to church. That person not coming back to church. It's end up in the head. And the head has to go to God. Say, create me a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within me. Take not your Holy Spirit away. Cast me not away from thy presence. And then you need to ask God to forgive you of your sins. Ask God well, to help you. It's, it's basically like you just look at the details when um, God gave us Jesus when he got crucified. He came back in a human form. So that's why he asked God, Father, Father, have you forsaken me? He came back in a human form. And in order for sin to exist, it exists in a human form. So you got to basically die in a human form and come back into the spiritual form where you're going to be holy and pure, that's the where you're going to be clean. And in order to do that, you got to keep rinsing the residue off because sin isn't going to go anywhere. So you got to keep, if you got an issue, you know it's a, your issue is chasing women, chasing people, places, or things that isn't in the will of God or in the covenant of God, you need to go and just tell them, I repent, take this, just take this completely away from me. And at that point, he will take it away from you. And, you know, in order for um, us to get to purpose, you can't get to purpose in sin. Amen. So this is why I use have so many people out here that are struggling with jobs, struggling with their identity, don't know their direction uh, in life because they're still wrestling with sin, you mm -hmm. know. And, and basically, it's you got to understand how sin operates. Anything that makes you feel good, that's how sin operates. Being with a woman make you feel good. Being with a man make you feel good. Having a bunch of money make people feel good. 
But when you look at the flip side of this, long as you're on this earth, you're going to be addicted to something, whether it's food, whether it's religion, whether it's reading books, whether it's TV, everybody got some kind of addiction. But the difference is an addiction and addiction in sin. Mm. Satan created sin. A food addiction, you could say, hey, I don't need to eat this much. That's something you can kind of quit on your own. I ask God to help you, but when you get some folk, some folk get too far caught up into sin, and you know it, it changes their their mind, it changes their heart, it changes their ways, it changes everything about them. And some folks just become at this uh, particular time become you be like, man, they so mean, it's just evil, you mm. know, because they they wasn't willing to to give sin back. They got into a place where it allowed them to feel good or feel a certain way, so they kept doing what they was doing. Mm. And you know, you have some people they holler, "Oh, I was a, I was a man first When they go through all of this, okay, we, you're gonna be a, in the human form, as long as your mind is in the world. You're gonna stay in the human form. You keep your mind in the world, in the world. You know, your mind should be on the, the ultimate prize, and that's that's the kingdom and the kingdom message. You know, you should be impacting people's lives, not you should be building, not tearing down and destroying. Amen. And that's what a bunch that what a bunch of people or a bunch of leaders are. You have some great ones and you have some that just, you know, they're doing it for all the wrong things and wrong reasons, you know. Amen, brother. Well, uh, we have been focusing on salvation. And there are four different methods that God uses to bring his children out of the world. One is knowing how depraved you are, that you are in fact in need of a savior. You need salvation. It's not a discretionary option where you can choose to uh, seek salvation through some other means. You, your means of salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Uh, after the depravity of man, it is um, the presence of sin, the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the uh, and we're going to cover penalty, the power, pleasure. Yeah, the pleasure of sin. and present. The the pleasure, the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin, and we discussed all. Um, we discussed the pleasure of sin. We discuss the power of sin. Today, we discuss the uh, presence of sin. And so, alongside of those that those four those four methods of God uh, bringing us out of the world, we're going to discuss sore chastisement, which is another uh, means of God bringing us out of the world. Uh, scripture says, for a few days, chastened us, but he, for our profit, for no other reason that God chastened us, it is for our profit. God's children can never be punished for their sins. God has punished sin 
in the persons of Christ, according to 1 Peter, the second chapter, the 24th verse, in the King James Version reads, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. God cannot punish his own children. Let me say it again, and I emphasize, cannot. God cannot punish his own children for sin that has already been punished. On the other hand, he does discipline and or chasten, which he uses to deliver his children from the world. For example, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 through 10 of the NIV. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They discipline us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. God requires that we be holy as he is holy. And to be holy simply means to be without sin. Our earthly fathers disciplined us according to the flesh. God disciplines us according to the spirit. We all know what it means to be disciplined by our parents. Our mother and our father. And even when this word is ministered, whether it's in the teaching format or whether it's in the preaching format, our minds generally go back to those episodes where our mom beat the crap out of us. Our dad beat the crap out of mama. I, when, when we grew up, people our age or older knows what it means to be disciplined. And we may have had some trauma moments. It may have been some moments where we thought we weren't going to live. We thought we were going to die. And we knew it. But it was our mother and our father who disciplined us according to the flesh. They didn't know too much about the spirit. And what our future was in the spirit what our purpose was in the spirit, what our assignment was in the spirit, to even discipline us in the spirit. But they disciplined us according to the flesh, natural, Nat natural things. If you if you done something that you weren't supposed to do, there was consequences you had to pay. And so is it with God. It's all the same. Chastening assumes various forms, external and sometimes internal. 
I want to cover some scriptures that Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs. And I kind of wonder that I've never read where God had dialogue with Solomon as he did with David when he slept with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, and then to cover it up, he killed her husband. God dealt with that immediately. But we never read where God had dialogue with Solomon about the decisions that he made. And I must say, most men take take on the, the premise that Solomon had 300 wives, concubines. He probably had a little bit more. I, I don't remember. But they think it's okay because he had that many wives. But what happened was they took his heart away from God. And obviously, he had made some choices and some decisions. Why? Because he wrote about it. And if he wrote about it, he obviously had to live it. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Now Solomon is writing from the perspective of a father discipline his child. 